But, but I want to talk to you today about, is that really you, God? How do you know when God is speaking and not somebody else? I don't know if you ever struggle with that, but I do. Um, when I was a little boy, I grew up at Fairhaven Baptist Church. It's right down the road here. If you go up to the red light and take a left on Old 78, it's just right there on your left. And I went there from the time I was born until I was in fourth grade, and then we moved to First Baptist Church here in Olive Branch, where I went until I was married and moved away. And when I was at Fairhaven, though, the way their, their auditorium was set up, the piano was on this side, the organ was on this side, and those were the only instruments we were ever going to have. And I sat on the front pew. We didn't have chairs. We had pews. Y'all remember when church was real, right? No, I'm playing. <laughs> but we had pews, and I sat on, there was only, there was two. I sat on the front pew, piano side, every Sunday. Little bitty boy. And I'd sit up there, and when we sang, I would, I would sing out as loud as I could sing. And, and for some reason back then, the tradition was to stand on some hymns and to sit on others. And we actually had a hymnal we held in our hand, and I'm glad we got rid of those. I like this a lot better. But we had, other than it was a good distraction during the sermon to flip through it. But... <laughs> We had hymnals we would pull out and, and I would be standing on that front row just singing out as loud as I could. And one Sunday I look up and the pianist is sitting there going, I'm like, what are you talking about? I just kept singing. I turn around and look and everybody in the place is sitting but me and I'm standing. And they're laughing. Oh yeah, a little dwindle sitting up there doing something again. Get attention. I never, I never do anything for attention, I promise. And so... There was another Sunday, though. I didn't get in trouble for that Sunday. That was just cute. There was another Sunday, though. I'm sitting on the front row and front pew, and the, the preacher's up, and he's preaching his sermon. And I do. I've got the hymnal there being distracted looking through the hymnal. And I'm looking at the different songs, and in my head, I'm singing those songs. I've got the hymnal there looking, and I'm, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And I flip to another song, On a hill far away. And I'm just having a blast in my head singing. And I look up, and there's the pianist going, Shh! I'm like, what are you talking about? There is power, power, wonder work. And I mean, I was into it in my head. And then I look up and there's my dad standing next to me. And you know what? I wasn't just singing in my head. I was singing out loud. Everybody in the church could hear me. And my dad wasn't real understanding. Matter of fact, that's probably why I stood up the next Sunday instead of sat down. I don't know. But those stories came to my mind this week because I, I was reminded of another story. One time there was a pastor up preaching and he was praying. And he's praying a very serious Intense prayer right in the middle of service and all of a sudden this loud whistle came from a little boy in the congregation. And his mom reached over and pulled him over next to her and she was better than my dad. She actually asked him, she said, why in the world did you do that? She gave him a chance to explain. My dad didn't let me explain. He didn't care that my invisible friend Hooford told me to do it. But she asked the little boy, why in the world did you do that? And he looked up and he said, well, I've been asking God to teach me how to whistle, and he just did. <laughs> you know, sometimes God speaks at very strange times. But sometimes we use God as an excuse to do what we want to do. 
Sometimes we blame God for our bad choices because it seemed like a good idea in the moment. So today I want us to talk about how do we know when it's God? Is that really you, God, or is it Satan? Or is it my wife? <laughs> I didn't say they were the same. Josh said that this morning, not me. Or is it my imagination? Or is it Hollywood? What is it that's making this seem like such a good idea? When you're inspired to act, do you actually act on it? When you, when you have an idea, do you, do you go out and do it? And see, we have things in our lives that tell us we've got to do, we've got to act in the moment or we're going to miss out, and sometimes that's true. But there's also times that we need to wait on God. See, when the Holy Spirit speaks, if you refuse to act, you could miss out on a blessing. But on the other hand, if Satan speaks and you follow, then it's going to lead to calamity. It's going to lead to trouble. It's going to lead to separation from God because that's what sin does. I heard a preacher not long ago tell about a story when he was early in his ministry and somebody came to him with an opportunity to do this really, really big thing. And I don't want to go into the details, but he told the guy, he said, no, that's not in my talent pool. I'm not able to do that. That doesn't fit my gifts. And the guy looked at him and said, well, pastor, it's like this. He said, if you move ahead of God and you're doing it out of obedience, but God doesn't want you to do that, he'll simply close the door. But if you're lagging behind God out of fear or lack of obedience, he'll just find somebody else. And the pastor said, wait a minute, I don't want to miss out. Let's do this. And it was a huge opportunity, and it worked out well. But the truth is, there are times that we say we're listening to God, we think or we, we claim to listen to God, when really we know that's not the voice of God. There are times we simply really don't know, is this God speaking or something else? So I want to give you three very simple things today of how you can know that it's God's voice, or what you have to have in your life in order to know that it's God's voice. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, they're some of the most famous verses in the Bible. We hear them all the time. We've heard them numerous times here at this church. But it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. That's out of the NIV version. Most of us grew up hearing, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Both have some... Good ways to look at it. This particular version out of the NIV has some things that I want us to see very clearly today in understanding and looking for God's voice. See, we have to learn to trust in God and His preparation. Trust in God in His process. Lean not on your own understanding because, let's face it folks, it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes God tells us to do things that just doesn't seem right to everyone around us. And it doesn't even seem right to us at first. There are times he tells us to do things that we don't understand. So he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, lean on his. I heard a pastor say one time that he's looking for a heart posture, not a plan from you. A lot of times we come to God saying, God, here's what I want to do. Now you bless it. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But see, here's the thing, folks. He's not, asking, he's not saying, trust in your plan. He's saying, trust in his plan. What he wants from you is a willingness to listen. 
he'll do the rest. A willingness to go where he says, and he'll do the rest. It's a heart posture. It's not your plan. There are three things I believe we need to have in our lives if we want to really recognize the voice of God when He's speaking. The first thing is, you must know Him personally. That sounds pretty elementary, right? I mean, we, most of us here are, are, are church attenders. Most of us here probably claim to be Christians. And so it's pretty simple to say, oh yeah, we got to know Him, of course. But you know what? There are a lot of church people in our world who go to church listen to the sermons, sing the songs, get the tingle down their spine, and then go home and never talk to God. And they don't have a real relationship with Him. And if we don't know Him, we can't hear His voice. If we don't know Him, we can't recognize His voice. Let's put it that way. When a... What did He say there in that passage? He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. How can He be your Lord if you don't know Him? How can you trust in someone that you don't know personally? It takes a lot of faith to trust in someone you don't know. Especially in this world today. When we were, when, when Lori and I first got married 28 years ago, she used to talk about, I can't remember the guy's name to save my life, but there was this famous Christian singer back in the 80s that she went to one of his concerts and she got to meet him. And every time his name would come up, she'd say, oh, I know him. And I used to make her mad because I go, you don't know him, you met him. There's a difference. It is not, it's the same thing. No, it's not. And she would get so mad at me. But the truth is, there's a big difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone. My son, many of you know, is a wrestler. And he, he wrestled doing these little, and, and through the last three and a half years, he's gotten to meet a lot of famous people and, but, that we thought were famous. But then all of a sudden, about four months ago, he got recognized and he kind of blew up and became famous across the country in inter, independent wrestling circles. And since then, he's met a lot of people that we think of as famous, even a lot more famous than what he used to know. And now he actually knows some of these people. I could throw out some names that you would think is, are famous even too because some of them are Hollywood, that he has their phone numbers and he texts them and calls them and then brags about it. <laughs> some of them I've met. Some of them I've tweeted back and forth with. <laughs> but he actually knows them. And there's a difference. And when it comes to God, and I'm going to talk more about how to know him at the end of the message, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't know him personally, then you will never recognize his voice when he's speaking. The first thing you have to do is make sure that you have a relationship with him. Make sure that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Make sure that he's real in your life. Because if you don't know him, you won't recognize his voice. And it'll be very easy to get confused. Because I'm telling you, the things they put on TV today sure sound good. But when you really know him, you know that's not his voice. The second thing we have to do is we have to spend time with him regularly. You must spend time with him regularly. How do you know someone? How do you know what they want from you? How do you understand their, their likes and dislikes and what their goal is if you don't spend time with them? 
What did he say again in, in, in Proverbs? He said, lean not on your own understanding. Well, if you want his understanding, if you want to get away from your basic understanding to his advanced understanding, you have to know him by spending time with him in his word. You have to know about him. There, John 15, 4 says this, Remain in me also, and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's a lot of things he said in this passage, but that one verse kind of sums it up as far as what we're talking about today, that you can't produce fruit from God if you're not connected to God. If you're not getting that feeding that he gives, then you can't, you can't produce what he wants to produce through you. My wife and I, well... I'm going to give you three things before I tell you that. I'm going to give you three things that we need to do, and they won't be on the screen because I didn't put them in there for some reason, but three things that you need to do in order to spend time with him regularly. One is you need to talk to him daily. Pray. There is no good relationship in this world without communication. You can't have a successful marriage. You can't have a successful friendship. You can't have a successful working relationship without proper communication. Anytime communication starts to fail, the relationship starts to fail. Many of you know, my wife and I, back in 2010, we split up and we divorced in 2011. At the end of 2012, we remarried. When our marriage split up, one of the number one things wrong with our marriage was our communication. We didn't talk. We talked at each other, not to each other. We fought all the time. And I came up with a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons why I wanted to leave and be away from that. And then I got right with God, and when I did, he convicted me about my marriage, and I went back and had to win my wife back. And today, we're still not a perfect marriage. We still have problems. We still argue from time to time. But one of the things that's better than it ever was in the first 20 years is that we communicate much, much better than we used to. We now, even though we may have moments where we don't, we always end up coming back together and talking it out and learning how to share what's going on. Without proper communication, you can't have a successful relationship. And without proper communication, you can't know what the other person really wants. Now, I'll grant you, even with proper communication, it's really hard to know what a woman wants. You could amen that one, Teresa. You know it's true. You know it's true. But see, the thing is, God actually wants us to know what he thinks. My wife and I like to have date nights, and there for a while we were doing it weekly, and then it went down to a couple of times a month, and it went down to, to now we just do it whenever we can. Uh, a lot of things have happened that it's just situations going on that have prevented us from being able to do it as regularly as we would like. But here's the thing. When I take her out on a date night, she always wants me to plan it. And I can't plan it properly if we're not communicating properly because I, don't, I won't know what she likes. I'm able to go to places that she enjoys because I listen to what she's telling me prior. And if you're not listening to those hints, she'll mention it three days in advance. And then if I don't go to that place three days later... She's going to sulk the whole night. So the key is to listen in advance to pick up those cues. 
If you don't speak with God on a regular basis, you can't know what it is He's trying to tell you in life. The second thing is you have to spend time with Him, not only talk to Him daily, but actually spend time in His Word daily. Because this is where He shares His thoughts more. Talking talking about uh, how date nights, my wife and I, there have been times that I've messed it up. That's how I know she sucks. There have been times that I've chosen the wrong place. There have been times that I've chosen a place that I thought this is going to be really cool, this is going to be fun, this is going to be great food, and I get there, and she just, I don't know, I don't want anything off this menu. I was really hoping we were going to go to Houston's tonight. Yeah, well, I was hoping you were going to get paid more. You know, we, <laughs> no, I'm playing. We, it's, it's, I didn't choose that, I didn't know. But there were times I go places, and I find out this is not what my wife really likes. I like to dance. When my wife and I were separated, I danced a lot. We got back together, and I talked to her about three or four times into going dancing with me. And I found out real quick, she doesn't want to go dancing. It's not something that she really enjoys that much. So you know what? I stopped planning date nights to dance places. Because I learned what she liked. I learned who she was by spending time with her, doing things and understanding what she wants and what she thinks is important. Same thing with God. You spend time in His Word every day so that you can know how He thinks, what He expects, who He is, and how He wants you to live. And then when His voice speaks, you know it's Him because you know what He's already said. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you keep from sinning against God? You memorize His word. You spend time in His word on a regular basis. If you're not spending time listening to what He has to say, how do you know what He doesn't want you to do or what He does want you to do? It's too easy to get confused with what the rest of the world is saying is a good thing. Because, it, like I said earlier, it sounds good. The third thing we have to do in order to spend time with them regularly, is we need to spend time with other Christians. The Bible teaches in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's one of the reasons I love small groups. I love city groups. Because you're able to come together with a small group and study together and learn together and open up and talk about things that you can't talk about in this room. And the fact is, there's strength and power in groups. Here's just a few weeks ago, I threw a surprise party for my wife and found out afterwards that I didn't invite some people. I thought I'd invited, I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but I threw a surprise party. And when I first started planning it, I had this really big idea and it was great. And then things started happening. My son got hurt in L.A. and I had to fly to L.A. and be with him and, and just couldn't do all I wanted to do. So the week before the surprise party, I reached out to some of her friends because she had made several comments about she's not happy turning this specific age that she turned this year. And I won't tell y'all that she turned 50. And I'm sorry, I'm 48. Um, but I didn't say that. She's not here right now. She'll be next service. So we won't mention that, okay? She won't watch Facebook, so it doesn't matter. But... When I planned that party, she wasn't happy about that age, and she didn't really want, she told me several times, I really don't want anything big this year, Dwindle. And then I called some of her friends, or reached out to some of her friends, and they said, Dwindle, she's going to love it if you do it. I know she's saying right now she doesn't want it, but do something, she's going to love it. So we went ahead and threw the party, and I couldn't have pulled it all together. 
except I had people who came together with me to help me to do it. Because there's strength in numbers. Different people have different talents and abilities and understandings that I don't have. So when we come together as a group of Christians and we talk about the Word of God and we pray together and we encourage one another, we gain strength and we gain understanding of what God wants in our lives. You have to spend time with them regularly through prayer, Bible study, and time with other Christians. It's very important. And then thirdly, you must know Him personally. You must spend time with Him regularly. And thirdly, you must submit to Him completely. He said there in Proverbs, in, in all your ways, submit to Him. In all your ways, submit to Him. That's a huge part. Every Sunday, our pastor gives an opportunity for people to get to know Christ. And every Sunday that we have people pray to receive Christ, He always lets them know the importance of lordship. And I love that about this church. Because it's more than just saying, I want to get to heaven. It's about having a personal relationship with someone that we know intimately. Who is our king, our master, our Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says you will be able to test and approve God's will. You'll know his voice. You'll know it's right. You'll know it's the thing he's telling you to do and not Satan and not someone else, not a friend, not somebody who's trying to get you in trouble, not somebody that wants you to be in the same boat they're in, not Hollywood, but God himself speaking about your life. You can test that and approve it. How? By not conforming to what the world says is right, but by renewing your mind through time with God and understanding His way of thinking. Too many Christians think they're going to get it in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. And it doesn't happen that way. It takes a submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to truly understand His desire for your life. Our small group this past, week, this past semester, city group that, that I got to lead, we went through a book called uh, The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. And it talked about how Daniel and his friends were able to have influence in a culture that was totally against their beliefs. And how they stood up and lived their beliefs but still had influence and power in that culture. It's incredible. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, you ought to read it. But in the video series, he talked a lot about how he relates that to Jesus. And then there was one week where he talked about lordship. And so I... I want to give you Chris Hodges' three points today about lordship, three stages of lordship that he gave us in that study because it just hit me so hard. And this week as I was studying for this passage, for this message, that just kept popping back in my mind. So I went back and got my book out and, and looked at it. And at least the, the main three points that he gave here, I want to be able to give to you today because I think they're so good. Three stages of lordship. The first one is, I want what I want. This is where... We come to God and we say, God, you bless what I'm asking for. God, I've decided this is the career I want in my life. Now you bless it. God, I've decided this is the person I want in my life. You bless it. God, I've decided these are the activities I want to do in my life. 
you bless it. I want what I want. I really don't want your will, God, but I want your blessings on my will. And that's where a lot of people are. It really is, and it's an easy place to be, and it's a fun place to be at times if we really believe God's blessing what we want. And we like to use the verse that says that he'll, he'll give us the desires of our heart. But there's a lot more to that than just him giving us our desires. Where is he in that picture? Because the thing is, if you do the things we've already talked about and you spend time with him on a regular basis and you pray daily and you study his word daily and you spend time with other Christians, you're going to find out that your desires are going to change. I can tell you there's a huge difference in the dwindle who spends time with God and the dwindle who spends time in his selfishness. There's a big difference in how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I treat my coworkers, and the things I think about from hour to hour based on how much time I'm spending with God. And let me tell you, for those of you that, that like to say, well, Jesus spent time with sinners. Yeah, he did. He did it for a reason, to move them out of their sin toward a relationship with God. But he spent the majority of his time with his disciples. Why? Because who you spend time with will influence who you become. And most of us start out at this point with God, I want what I want, God bless me and what I want. James 4, verses 13 through 15, he says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I've used this passage many times in funeral sermons. But the truth in it is incredible. We are not promised tomorrow. But yet most of us want to live our lives in a way that says, God, give me what I want now. Instead of saying, God, what do you have for me that's better? So the second stage, we start out with, I want what I want, God bless it. Then we move on to, I want what God wants, if. This is a conditional want. This is the thing where I want the blessings of God, if he'll do certain things. God, I'll travel the world and do missions if you'll let me win the lottery. And I can also go and sell it and have vacation at the same time. I'll go tell everybody on that beach in Aruba about you. God, I'll give my wife what she needs if you'll make her do what I want. I've been there. We come to God with conditions many times. And in Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells, or, or we see the story of a young man that comes to Jesus and it says that he was a very wealthy man. He says to Jesus, Jesus, what do I have to do in order to have a relationship with God? What do I have to do to go to heaven? And, and Jesus said, well, you have to follow all the commandments. And he started naming the commandments and the young man said, hey, I've done all these since I was a kid. I'm in good shape. What else do I have to do? And Jesus looked at him, and in Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, it said this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that part, because he's about to break open some brutal honesty through love. 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now here's the thing. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach for you to be a Christian, you have to give up everything you own. But it does teach over and over again that you have to be willing to give up everything you own. That you have to be willing to make Jesus the true Lord of your life. That if he's not number one, then anything that's before him is an idol. And in this man's case, the reason Jesus used this as an example is because this man loved money more than he loved God. And he said, he saw his heart and said, okay, you're following all the rules. You're going to church every Sunday. You're singing the songs. You're shouting the amens. And you're, doing the, you're living the life that everybody thinks you're a good person. But you have something in your heart that's more important than God. And that's money. So in this case, he told him to give it up. And a lot of us come to, come to God with conditions saying, God, I'll serve you if you do this for me. So it's, I want what I want. I want what God wants if. And then the third stage of lordship is this one. And this is where we all need to be, and it's where I've been at times, and I've fallen back at times. But it says, I want what God wants, period. That's a hard stage to get to. It really is. Nineteen ninety-eight. I was attending seminary, working on a master's degree, and I knew as strongly as I've ever known anything in my life that God called me to be a missionary during that time. I went on a trip after that. After that calling, I went on a trip to Brazil, Corumbá, Brazil, and and had the time of my life. Spent 10 days down there and came back just so excited. And I talked to my wife and I said, we need to be missionaries. And she said, no, nah, I ain't happening. She didn't want to go. We talked about it. We even talked to a mission board about it. And we, we started looking into it. And she just came to me and said, Dwanda, I can't do it. I just don't feel right about it. It's not the right thing for us. So I gave it up. It never left my heart. Finally, there, there came a time where she went on a trip with me to Nicaragua. First time I stepped foot in Nicaragua, I felt like I was home. And I came back, and I wanted so badly to be a missionary to Nicaragua. And my wife was still saying no. And I was praying. I was begging. And finally, I came to him and I said, God, you know what? If Lori's not willing to go, then you must not be calling me. So I'm giving it up, and I just want you to show me what it is you really want me to do. You want me to pastor the rest of my life. You want me to, to go back and get my Ph.D. You want Whatever it is you want me to do, show me what you want me to do. And I finally come to him and say, God, if you want me to be a missionary, I'm willing to go. But if that's not your plan, then I give it up. About two weeks later, I came home from work one night. And I'm sitting there and... I walk into the living room and Lori's like, come here, I need to talk to you. As soon as I walked in. And I thought, oh no, she's leaving me. No, I'm kidding. I just thought, oh no, what's this? What is this? And, but I sat down and she looked at me and she said, Dwindle, I don't believe God's called me to be a missionary. But I do believe he's called you to be a missionary. And because he's called me to be your wife, then I'm willing to go wherever he leads you. 
And I got to, for two and a half years, live my dream of being a missionary. Because I was willing to give it up. If it meant God had something else. We have to be willing to say, God, I want what you want, period. Now here's the sad part of that story. I got to Nicaragua. And in the last few months I was there, I took my eyes off God and I put my eyes on self. And when I, moved, when I left Nicaragua and came back to the States is when I left my wife and said, I want a divorce. And I ran from God because I lost everything that I thought was important because I took my eyes off of what He was blessing me with. And then six years ago, well, almost seven now, through my kids, he talked me into coming to this church. And a couple of months later, Pastor Troy became the pastor. And then he began to speak to me, and he began to encourage me, and God convicted me. And I had to go back and win my wife back, and we eventually got remarried. And God finally brought it all back around, and I'm not living my dream today. But I am walking with God today. He has restored a family, and He's allowed me to have influence in ways that I never thought I would have again. I had preachers tell me that I would never be used of God again. And this week I had five different people reach out to me to encourage me about today to tell me the impact I've had on their life. See, I know what it's like to listen to the voice of God and I know what it's like to listen to the lies of Satan. But if you don't know him personally, if you don't spend time with him regularly, and if you don't submit to him completely, you'll always question if the voice is real. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust him. Not yourself. Lean on Him. Submit to Him. And watch. At every fork in the road, He'll put up the right sign to say, go this way. But those signs are awful blurry if you're not walking with Him. Father God, I just want to thank You for the privilege of knowing you. God, I thank you for the love you give, for the relationship you want to have with us. And I thank you for the guidance that you offer if we're willing to listen. Lord, thank you for forgiveness and for second chances. God, I pray that right now in this service, right now in this moment, that you would move in our midst. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you personally,
that they would come to know you right now. Lord, if there's anyone here that knows you, but they're not spending time with you regularly, would you convict them of that need? And God, if there's anyone here that, that maybe spends some time with you here and there, but they have not really submitted to you as Lord, and they still got parts of their lives they're holding on to, then God, right now, would you show them what it would mean to follow your ways? God, right now, move in our midst and change lives.